in now. But what I really want to do in the next sort of 20 minutes or so is, is talk about the story of the last 12 months. It's been an absolutely extraordinary 12 months in terms of planning reform, probably the most profound changes to the planning system for, for 60 years. And during this transition with the Localism Act and the MPPF and the front page of the Telegraph being about concreting over the countryside day in, day out, um, there were other things happening and we were really keen to start making the case for holistically planned growth in areas that are, are, are looking at this in a way that is holistic, is sustainable, but also starting to make the case politically and cross-party. So in June of last year, we published a report called Reimagining Garden Cities for the 21st Century. And when we published that report, we didn't yet have, we had the localism bill being debated, but we didn't have a localism act, and we hadn't seen the MPPF yet. But what we did know is there was financial retrenchment, there was stigma attached with large-scale development, many of the sites across the country were stuck. And we thought it was time to look back to the garden cities, but also to look at the new towns and some contemporary examples, and look at, at, at what we could do to start rebuilding the case. The case for linking for jobs and homes, the case for creating economies of scale, the case for tapping in potentially to the enterprise agenda with um, local enterprise partnerships, if, and if they, there's a big if there, but if they are looking at growth, surely they should be looking at homes and communities alongside infrastructure and investment. So we, we, we published this report and soon after, in September, we had a response from Grant Shapps, the housing minister. And in that response, um, amazingly, it was in, it was in the, the Guardian Housing Network, amazingly Grant Shapps said, the scale of, the house, of housing need that we now face means that we need the most imaginative proposals to come forward, which get us back to Howard's original ideals. And what he said in that was that it wouldn't be down to government to bring this forward, it would be down to the sector. And he invited the TCPA to bring together a group of people to start a discussion on how we might start making the case for, for garden cities today. And that's about how do we build on, on the government's absolute commitment to localism, neighbourhood planning, community rights, and we, we can discuss that and, and, and whether there's a role for that in, in new garden cities but also in, in the way that the garden cities were brought forward by pioneers and entrepreneurs. It was, it was philanthropic entrepreneurs that, that had the vision of place, and how could we capture that, have that strong sense of vision, and, and bring communities with us. So that was September, Grant Shapps passed the challenge to us, and then in November, the housing strategy was, was published. And in the housing strategy on page 10, there was an acknowledgement of locally planned large-scale development. The first acknowledgement of scale and the first thing the government had said about housing in the medium to long term. And what that, that said is that sometimes the supply of new homes can be best achieved through large-scale, comprehensively planned new development, whether urban extensions or new settlements. And, and it talked about the great sort of thinking that, that British planners had done in terms of contributing to that debate. What government set out in the housing strategy was, was a couple of things, nothing concrete, and, and certainly with a name like locally planned large-scale development, it didn't get much press coverage. But what it did do um, was set out that government were going to look at how they could bring this forward this year, and that was through simplified planning, through potentially supporting some localities. But they also said that they'd look at, at, at prioritising spending for large-scale through future CSR. So, um, that is something that is going to be coming this way in the not-too-distant future. 
And then in March, uh, momentum gathered a bit, bit faster than we thought it was going to. On the, the 19th of March, I think it was, um, the Prime Minister did a speech on infrastructure. And in that speech was a statement saying that the government were going to consult on plans for a new generation of, of garden cities. Now, up until that point, the government's language hadn't been around garden cities. And it was the first time um, that, that the Prime Minister has, has perhaps been interested, or a serving Prime Minister has been interested in garden cities for, for a fair few decades. And the press coverage, the response to that, was actually really quite positive. Um, I mean, things are always change when, when locations are mentioned. But actually, the feeling it evoked, the way he talked about it, evoked an image of place where people might want to live. And government haven't had a narrative on that, a really strong narrative on the types of places we want to create for quite a long time. The following week, the National Planning Policy Framework was, was published. And in that is the most important hook. On page 13, paragraph 52, um, was a new paragraph. And that's, again, said sometimes the way of delivering housing, that large scale through different models, extensions, new villages, new towns, might be a suitable option, and that option becomes available to local authorities. But importantly to us, it said, bringing forward those large-scale sites in accordance to the principles of the garden cities. So that uh, laid a very strong foundation for the work we were doing, and at that point we'd already set up um, an expert group to look at, at some of the challenges and the barriers to bringing forward garden cities, but it gave us a very strong foundation for our work. And then in April of this year, we republished... Raymond Unwin's 1912 pamphlet, Nothing Gained by Overcrowding. And we, we did a parliamentary debate with the launch of that. And um, there's copies here today. And if, if you haven't had a chance to pick one up, give me your, your email address, your card, and I will post one to you or email you a PDF if you prefer. But what that, that publication does and what Unwin did a century ago is, as well as being very visionary, the Garden City pioneers were pragmatists. They were practical. They had to make a business case for creating these types of places. And the, the forward of that publication, um, Professor P Sir Peter Hall, who's our president, sets out the maths and the case that, that Unwin was trying to make. And it, it was simply that by planning simply, by planning gardens at the back and planning out roads, you benefit the landowner you benefit the developer, and ultimately you benefit the resident in terms of, of quality of life, the sense of place, and, and the economics of it. And Patrick Clark, who's going to be talking after me, will work with us on this publication and will be uh, talking about everything to be gained by looking at these design and layout principles today.